Welcome, church, to the house of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Sister Mary, for that delightful hymn. I hope you're ready to receive from the Lord this morning, church. We have the distinct privilege to welcome to the pulpit this morning. Uh, um, uh, what's that dude's name? You are now tuned in to the Sermon Archives of William R. Horn. Kingdom Dreamer Productions. Yeah, welcome in, welcome in to Another episode of the Sermon Archives from your boy, William R. Horn. So, we continue to go in our date order, and the next one that comes up in terms of uh, video or audio I have is from September 12th, 2012. So, just a month after the last one we posted. This one, however, is at Cedarville University, um, where I was a class chaplain there in my final year. And this one's actually a video, not just audio. So if you're subscribed to the YouTubes, feel free to check out my bad haircuts. This one uh, is entitled Faith Leads to Freedom. And the passage is Luke 17. Again, as always, there's disclaimers. Um, First disclaimer is um, I don't align with Cedarville University, Um, even if this... uh, season happened. God worked in that season I was there, but I don't recommend that to any student for multiple reasons, but we don't need to discuss that here. But I don't align with them as a university, uh, even as this sermon is done there. And in that context to the student body, um, another disclaimer again, let me change my mind if I don't like something I preached in the past, which seems to be happening at every sermon from 2000. 12 unfortunately but um, just one disclaimer and this one at least one that comes to mind is I use the term when speaking about Samaritans um, mixed breed which has been a typical term used in a lot of conservative commentaries when talking about Samaritans being Jew and Gentile um, together ethnically right Uh, but Uh, After further thought over the last, I guess this was eight years ago, uh, I would never use that thought, that term, mixed breed of any human being. I believe it's not a correct understanding of ethnicity in the Bible or of how we think of humanity, ethnicity, and culture. It's just a, it sounds like a derogatory term to me, mixed breed. So I use this here, which is based off of some conservative commentary on it, but I would step back and not use such term today. Um, Also, I think my use of unworthy slave here is probably too strong, but either way, hopefully it is a fruitful sermon. So let's just dive into it. Faith leads to freedom. Passage is Luke 17, and this is at Cedarville University. So enjoy. Good morning and welcome to Senior Class Chapel. Uh, Darius and the crew did a good job at 
allowing us to enter the gates of what God has for us, that we can worship and begin to understand how great he is. And my prayer is that we would, as a university, be overwhelmed with who God is. That when we wake up in the morning, we'd be able to fall to our knees right when we get up because we're overwhelmed with who God is. I think uh, Darius and them did a good job at leading us there. Uh, I guess I can tell you my name. My name is Will. Um, I'm the senior class chaplain, and that's about all you need to know about me. Uh, if you have any questions or want to talk, feel free to come to me or any other council. Uh, we'd love to help you. But, Cedarville, can I brag on my Lord today? Can I brag on my Lord today how, how good and how awesome he is? Uh, something that hit me when we were in uh, meetings with Pastor Rome is he was talking about this word awesome and how he uses it um, only for God. And that really set me back and let me think about God and how awesome he is and how nothing else compares to that. Nothing else deserves to be awesome but God. And we don't deserve to know God. We don't deserve this love. God doesn't need us, but he chooses us because we need him oh so badly. And we are the lucky ones. If uh, any of you are Lecrae fans, uh, and you just released the album Gravity, uh, that spotted number one is Christian rap on iTunes um, for overall from a Christian rapper. But right before, if you were here a little early, you could hear the song The Lucky Ones. Um, and when I was preparing to talk, I listened to music sometimes, and this happened to come across, and it really... Uh, really hit me in some way. Uh, the hook in the song says, when it's all said and done, you and I are the lucky ones. And we, as you know, Cedarville educated Christians, know it's not luck, but it's grace from God. That luck really doesn't give us anything because it doesn't exist, but grace from God. But when the world looks at us, they should be saying, you are the lucky ones. And not in a way where it's like, you're lucky, I can't have that because I'm not good enough, but you're lucky and I want that. I want that, what you have. We have the faith to start a riot, how can we deny it? There's another line he said in there. We have the faith to start a riot, how can we deny it? And that's where I want to sit today, is on faith the faith to start a movement, the faith to call us and others to obedience and repentance, and the faith that leads us to freedom, where others will say we are the lucky ones. And I, as I've been sitting in chapel over the past week, I've been nervous every time I've sat in here. Uh, I can be sitting up there and I'm still nervous for this past week. And I've been noticing how I see God leading us to a certain point of how these chapels are running all the way to back last Friday when Christian spoke. He spoke about this freedom that we can have in Christ and our want for control, but we keep trying to get it, but we don't need it, right? God needs control. And then Dr. Brown spoke on faith from his 
point of view, and he did a great job at that. And then I forget the other guy's name. The guy who did the sword thing, uh, if you guys are here. I'm sorry, I forget his name. I don't know. But he did an awesome job, and it really showing us what our faith is, right? And how we can have hope in that, right? That God is our Lord, and we can trust that. So I see God taking us somewhere and trying to speak to us, and I think it's really about our faith, which seems so simple. But it's a lot more than that. If you have your Bible today, you can turn to Luke chapter 17 with me. I'm going to start in verse 1. Luke 17. And it reads, He said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately, sit and eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we have ought to do. Cedarville, our lack of faith is a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block to unbelievers to other believers, and to ourselves when we lack faith. In this passage, the disciples are asking for the faith to forgive in a radical way, right? Their lack of faith didn't allow them to forgive. And that became a stumbling block. And many of us today need to forgive someone or ourselves. But we simply don't have the faith to do it. Many of us will say, oh, I forgive you, but I won't forget. Well, that really isn't forgiveness at all, is it? What did God do for us? He didn't say, I forgive you, but I remember that stupid thing you did. He says, I forgive you, and it's clean, and we should do that same thing to others. But some of us just don't have the faith. We lack faith to put God in control. We lack the faith to go beyond this ability to forgive, to actually forget it. We lack faith that will pull us through trials. 
We lack faith in God's plan. We simply don't have faith. Or maybe it's not that we don't have faith, but we just have faith in the wrong things. What is your faith in today? Jump back to verses 5 and 6 of Luke 17 with me. It says, The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey. So it doesn't seem to matter the amount of faith that we have. Because Jesus says you need the size of a mustard seed when they ask to increase it. But it seems like it's the authenticity of our faith. Do we have a genuine faith? My fear is that when others look at us as a university full of Christians that claim that highly and put that all over, that when they look at us, they don't see a people of faith and say, I want that but they see a group of people with some godly principles who really just trust themselves. We're good at affirming and believing our salvation is by faith and not by works. That's not a problem. We know that. We memorize that verse, right? Our salvation is by faith and not by works. But at the end of the day, quote, our salvation is by our faith, but we really just trust in ourselves. Our worth is often found in our accomplishments, in our money, our status, our security in certain people, our education. Our worth we continue to find in ourselves. And that's even how we recognize chapel speakers when they come up here, right? They come up here and we have to, there's nothing wrong with this, they have great accomplishments, but we have to tell you what degrees they have, what they have done. Do we find our worth in the accomplishments that they have? Do they have credibility based off their accomplishments? Or is it by their faith in God and their willingness to listen to them? See, the, the principle of faith in Christ sounds nice from a pulpit and it works for our, our salvation, so to say, but it doesn't really correlate everywhere else. The whole faith in God thing is just a security blanket for some of us. That's what we fall back to. But it's not the very fabric by which we're made. The disciples asked for more faith and Jesus says, it doesn't matter the size of your faith because I'll hold you up. I'll grow that faith. I'll increase that You don't have to worry about that. But what you do need is a small seed of genuine faith. So do we truly have faith in Jesus? Is our faith genuine? That seems a little harsh, I guess, for a Christian university where it's like, we claim we have faith. But are we living that way? Is that how it looks? when we look at our lives in every spot of it. Uh, John Piper, if anybody reads John Piper, I'm sure somebody does. He wrote in his book, Bloodlines, he wrote this. He said, the gospel 
is not an ideology. It does not come in as one idea alongside some others and make its contribution. The gospel does not come as an ideology, but as a supernatural power. Some of us, including myself at many times, act like what we believe in is just an ideology. It's good, but we don't see it as a supernatural power. A supernatural power that should be our everything, right? This faith in Jesus should be our everything. It should make our every move. Now, jumping back to Christian last Friday, because he really did a good job setting some things up. Christian did an amazing job talking about this freedom, right, that Christ gives us, but we constantly want control. We want to control our lives. And that's easy to do. That's what we fall back to. What we know how to do is try to control. But the key to losing this control, I guess, so to say, this control that we want and to live in freedom is to have this genuine faith that Jesus is telling his disciples about. That we have faith in a God that's given us such a grace and a love that we truly can't comprehend it. A genuine faith that lives the gospel like it's life and not an ideology. If everything we had security in was taken away, would we have faith in God? That's a question we need to ask ourselves when we look at how we act in everyday life. We should be able to humbly obey God when there's nothing else to lean on. That's what faith is, right? A total dependence on God and a willingness to follow him at every command, no matter what that calls for. Even if that faith throws away our, our money, material things, our politics, our friends, and our lives. A faith that doesn't look to ourselves and our accomplishments for worth, but a faith that looks to God for our worth and we have obedience at all cost. Jump back to verses 7 and 10 with me in Luke 17. It says, Which of you, having a slave plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he comes in from the field, Come immediately and sit down to eat. But will you not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourself, and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too. When you do all things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So a genuine faith calls us to obedience. And that seems, that's, that seems logical to us. But is that what we're doing? And obedience is not, it's our duty. It's not something extra, right? Just like this story with the slave, it's saying, you do not thank the slave for what they've done because that's what they're commanded to do. We're commanded to be obedient. That's our duty. It's not something we need reward for or that makes us some good person. That's our duty if we have a genuine faith in Christ, right? 
this faith that God saved us, we, we have nothing. But he chooses to use us. He chooses to love us. And we have the obligation to be obedient. Without a genuine faith, we will continue to fall into ditches on either side of the road. We can either fall into a life of reckless sin on one side or a life of religiosity on the other. Because we'll either feel like obedience is impossible. This whole Christian thing doesn't make sense. Jesus was too crazy. I can't follow all that, right? So we'll just live lives of sin and rebellion thinking our fallenness is an excuse for it. Or we can fall on the other side of the road and live lives of spiritual pride and legalism and religiosity and refuse to look in the mirror to see where we've gone disobedient, thinking that everything we do deserves a reward when it's just our duty. Both these sides show a lack of faith to a merciful God who really loves us, and that's why he wants our obedience, because he knows what's good. One time I was, I was teaching youth group in Springfield, um, and I used a, a similar example, which I think I stole from Dr. Cook, I don't remember, with the ditches on either side of the road. That was probably him. But I used this example, and I don't remember what I used it for, but one of the teenagers came up to me uh, and was like, well, you should have made that a bridge with some lava on the side. Right? A typical teenage response. And I was like, at first I was just, okay, that, yeah, I kind of laughed it off and said, whatever makes you get it. Uh, and then I went back, came back here later that night, and I was thinking that wasn't such a good response to what that is. Because this road that we walk down is not a bridge with lava on the side. It's a road with ditches on the side. Because the beautiful thing about ditches is you can get out of them. Lava, not so much. You're pretty much done. So we walk this road with ditches on the side, and we have the ultimate tow man in Jesus that can get us out of these ditches. And he wants us to have faith and obedience so we can stay on this road and not fall on these sides. But if we have, he says, I will pick you back up. I will come get you out of the ditches. You just have to trust trust me to step out of these ditches. You got to grab on because some of us can refuse and, and just stay riding in the ditch the whole time, tearing up our car and not making it anywhere. But we have the ultimate tow man in Jesus Christ. It's a stretch of the example, but remember it. Remembering, like I said at the end of this verse, we are unworthy slaves who only have one way out and one way to live. Uh, you can continue with me in Luke 17. I'm going to jump to verse 11, which I haven't read yet. So it jumps into a different story. I don't have time to, I guess, do full justice to this passage and go through everything, but I want you to keep this, this story in mind. So Luke 17, continuing in verse 11. He says, While he was on the way to Jerusalem, and he is Jesus, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, 
Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. So too often I find myself facing a struggle or a trial and my faith in God lacks because I come back and I look at what I want and what I want to do and how I think it should be solved. And maybe they're godly things, but they're not what God wants necessarily. Even though he has brought me through so many trials in the past and has blessed me tremendously, just like he has blessed all of us here, to have an opportunity to, to have an education, to be at Cedarville, and everything else in our lives. Sometimes we're just creatures that quickly forget, quickly forget about this grace and the love and provision that God has in our lives. So we fall back to slavery. We fall back to slavery to ourselves, to our ideals, and back to our control which will lead us down a path of destruction. We too often seem to fail to give God glory in our lives after a trial or in the good. We just kind of forget about it. Right? We'll pray over a meal, thank you for this food. We never give him glory. We never seem to come to him when he's pulled us through something. And in this passage, the foreigner... The guy that didn't have the blessings because he wasn't a chosen Jew for most of these things that had all these things and understood God. The Samaritan was rejected, as most of us know, right? Because they're a mixed breed. We don't like them. But the one that didn't necessarily have all the blessings and provision that God had, at least in the past, that's the one that came back and came back to give God glory after he was healed. We need to come to the realization that our only way out of slavery, our only way to freedom, and the only way to live is to have a genuine faith in the healer. The healer that says, stand up and go, because your faith has made you well. Not your accomplishments, not you, not anything you did, but this faith. That's what's made you well. We must turn back to God in the good and the bad, giving him glory, whether in the valley or on top of the mountain. Give him glory for our accomplishments and our failures. And looking for his direction at all turns of life. And then others will call us the lucky ones. And they'll want it. That when when people 
claim Christians are foolish and don't have any direction, they'll be able to see our genuine faith that proves we have direction as we follow God's direction and not our own. The, one, the only thing that will make us well is our faith. Be that one that went back to God and gave him glory. Be that one that has a faith that calls others to obedience and repentance, that calls others to look at themselves, not just look in the mirror and turn away like he talks in James, seeing the truth and then just turning back to ourselves. Be the one that went back to God to give him glory and have that faith that calls us to love and worship, that despite what happens outside, we can come and worship. And that doesn't necessarily mean here, but everywhere we go, we can worship and we can love others despite the stresses we face and despite how overwhelmed we are, that we can give God glory and worship him. Cedarville, we need to have a genuine faith that will cause to freedom. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, dear God, we thank you for this grace, for this love that you have given us, God. We are unworthy slaves that just need you. And we know you don't need us, but you chose us, God. And I pray that we would be the ones that would turn back to you in all the trials of life and give you glory. That we would have a genuine faith that calls us and others to obedience. That when we're in ditches, we call on the ultimate tow man in you, Jesus, and you pull us out of these ditches. And we thank you that there's not lava on the sides, but it's just ditches. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross and rise again. I pray we show faith in that, God. Holy Spirit, guide us, convict us, and allow us to listen and unite as a body of Christians in a very unique place like Cedarville. And I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. You're dismissed. This will unfortunately be the only sermon coming from my time as chaplain at Cedarville University because unfortunately the university will not, has not, and did not give me the files to my other video sermons. Um, it doesn't look like that will ever happen for reasons unknown, but my speculation is the political climate at the university at the time of these sermons so uh, enjoy the one you get because i have never seen the other ones thank you for listening to another episode of the sermon archives from william r horn Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, and check us out on YouTube. Follow your boy on Twitter at William R. Horn, H-O-R-N-E. And check us out at KingdomDreamer.com.